All right, you guys, I'm here with Starfire Tour and Pigtail Girl, and they have a podcast called The Time Chronicles, which I, uh, it, it's only have three episodes so far, but it's brilliant. And it's amazing. And so I'm here to talk to you guys about just the Time Chronicles, basically. Okay, so first thing I want to uh, get into is the core matrix. How, how do you explain, I've, I've heard you talk that it is the Akashic Records, is the core matrix existence? Is that un the universe? Is it maybe a way of explaining God? Or how, how do you explain what core matrix is? Okay. Well, first of all, uh, just to level the playing field here, uh, I met Pigtail Girl because unknown to me, she had been following my research and reports and she started to do little videos, sort of doing briefings of some of the things that I was doing. And I caught wind of this when she pointed it out to me and I listened to it and I went, this woman gets it. She understands what I'm talking about. And from there, we got this wonderful thing going. And so I am going to talk about the core matrix, but um, she understands it too. We've worked very heavily within the science of it. I discovered the core matrix, time shifts, coexisting timelines, and basically the unified field theory of psi, which is how everything psychic and paranormal works, precognition, the whole kit and caboodle. Think of the core matrix as a hard drive, a cosmic hard drive. It's not a sentient being. It doesn't have feelings. It doesn't think. It is this force of creation, which exists within what's called an ergosphere, which surrounds a huge mega complex black hole. Now, it's important to understand about this because this black hole absorbed our original universe. And when that happened, some of our original universe was captured by the ergosphere, the remnants of where we came from, not just Earth, not just the solar system, everything. And being absorbed by a black hole, that's kind of usual for the way that things work. So after a very long period of time, unknown, something called the spark of life, people would call that divine, people might call that God, people might call that many things. I don't relate it to that. I think there's something greater than this, that people should not focus on what the core matrix does and confuse that with a God force. Okay. That's two different things, but it is, very often, most likely, 100% of the time, confused with the God force or the divine. So the spark of life is something natural that is part of the divine. And when you have a certain amount of these remnants rolling around together in this ergosphere, they begin to spark life. And from this, a core matrix evolves in order to handle what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is the core matrix's responsibility due to the spark of life is to recreate, resurrect our original universe as best it can. Of course, because it's only working with remnants, it really can't rehabilitate us, resurrect us 100%, maybe 2%. So there's a lot that we can never be, but the core matrix is constantly trying to refine its work and its constantly altering timelines would its endpoint point be to get to where it has it has 
immolated the original universe a hundred percent? Is that what its goal would be ultimately? Its goal, its prime directive is to do that. But the catch 22 is it cannot because it's only working with remnants of what it was able to capture in the ergosphere in which it exists. So it continually tries to build a house when you only have a few bricks, a metal T-bar, a roof shingle, and a cat. It just, <laughs> you know, it just, it just won't work. But we're talking millions, if not billions of years ago that this originally happened. There's no way to know. But over all this time, like a hard drive, going back to the hard drive concept, and that's the best concept that I can give people so that they can relate to it. Everybody's got some sort of communication device who's listening to the show. It's a computer, it's a laptop, it's a this, it's a that, it's a cell phone. So everybody knows that you've got a hard drive in there somewhere. And that's storing all of the bytes, the elements, the information, and the software that allows the audience to hear and see or whatever what this podcast is doing. The core matrix can be understood in the same way. Mind you, it's way far beyond that. But for human brains, this works fine. So once the core matrix was able to cobble together some sort of a resemblance of the universe that it felt confident could sustain life, it went online, or shall I call it the Big Bang. It went online. That is what the Big Bang is, by the way. So it went online, and it streamed out, streaming out the first timeline. Then, of course, it probably immediately saw, oh, there were other things it could do to make it better, to be more related to the way that we were, and thus started these editing processes. And I call them coexisting timelines because they exist, all these timelines exist in the exact same space, only separated by frequencies. There's no such thing as parallel timelines, parallel universes. Okay, so I was going to say, you don't think interdimensional universes are really a thing then? You have to define to me what you mean by interdimensional. Well, uh, I mean, like, are we overlapping on each other? Can there be more than one thing physically existing simultaneously? Okay. Yeah. I'll say it again. All timelines and dimensions, which are separate from timelines, exist in the exact same space. They're streaming in the same space. They're separated by frequencies. Think of the old-fashioned radios that use crystals to transmit different radio channels. You still have radio channels. Well, all of those radio channels, thousands of them now, are all streaming out into our atmosphere at the exact same time in the exact same place. But you can only pick up one at a time per device. They're all existing in the same space, separated by their individual frequencies. So depending on what radio station you want to pick up, you change the dial, you push the button, and that pulls up the frequency, and there you have that radio station. Well, that's the way that coexisting timelines work. So nothing's running parallel. That's an old sci-fi. Well, it was wonderful that science fiction was able to come up with that idea. They understood there were more than one timeline. They just didn't know about the core matrix and how the science really worked. So I just want to expose this and so that people start using the right phrasing. These are coexisting timelines. And so there you go. And can I just say something here is um, if there are coexisting timelines coming from the core matrix, well, we know there are mm -hmm. uh, 
is it possible then that uh, there are also other universes surrounding core matrixes existing like we have coexisting timelines or or, or more universes with their own core matrixes going through their own set of timelines this is one of my great questions i don't have the answer i do have the question so um you have to sort of understand that everything that we are everything that's in this universe is contained within the core matrix so now you're asking the question really is there another core matrix somewhere outside of this core matrix? Mm -hmm. My logical assumption is yes. Yeah. You know, but I don't have evidence of that because I'm living within this core matrix and I don't have any sort of more sophisticated science to help me to determine that. I do know that they do not interfere one with the other. They do not collide. They don't bleed through. But coexisting timelines can bleed through one to the other. It's mm. very possible they can time loop, overlap. So your thinking is absolutely 100. That is the correct way to think, the correct question. But the answer is a big, I don't know. But you should probably assume that because this core matrix form, that's natural, not unnatural. It's part of a divine plan or force. And that there are others out there that could be millions, billions, gazillions. But we're not so there. It's, it seems to me then that um, if we look at the core matrix as the foundation of our reality that's generating these timelines and it's sort of generating a non-perfect image but striving for perfection but never quite reaching it, it kind of also then is impacting our own personal journeys, I guess, within that energetic because I guess on a personal level, we're all striving for that perfection maybe here, mm -hmm. but it's going to be difficult to ever reach it. Well, you are correct, first of all, and I will take a larger view, which is, think about it, the human race has no owner's manual. The human race cannot even tell, for the most part, what's true and what's false. They, they can get fooled, brainwashed, tricked. They need a judge and a jury to even figure out the simplest of things. Why is that? They don't really have a concept of the divine, except for what they can conceive of, which is why we have so many religions and so many thoughts and so many beliefs, because people are searching for who am I as a person, as a race, as a planet, as part of the universe. And those answers are not in the human gene or the human brain. They're in the human soul. And for the human to be able to make a solid contact with their soul and then understand what the soul is feeding them is very difficult for humans to do, even though many believe they've done it. If they haven't discovered what I discovered, the core matrix, they haven't stumbled upon the truth and that we are not living in a truthful reality. It's being hidden from us. We think that this is a, a one-time deal timeline where there's a past and a present and a future. It's not true. You know, it's the core matrix that hides this truth from us because the human brain simply cannot tolerate this massive amount of data coming in. So the only thing that I can think to do to help people move along is to let them know about the core matrix, how it works, where we come from, and um, Nikki, on, on my website, 
uh, starfiretour.com. Um, if you just go to the main table of contents, you will find a very nice report on what the core matrix is with, with images. And it's really a really good way to learn about what am I talking about? And just to get the images. And of course, in our Time Chronicle show, we have great images of it. And we're just trying to pull people along so that they can get a really big grasp on the fact that what you see is not the real world. It's not really the way things are. And there is a way to get a grasp on it. So you talk about the dark matter aberration. Yes. And okay, so if, if we look at the core matrix as the hard drive, would it that be a corrupt programming or is it more like that? Is that the yin to the yang of the core matrix or is it more like there's dark, there's light matter, dark matter that are just pro software that exists within the core matrix? That's a great question, Nikki. I'll give it to you as briefly as I possibly can. There's something in the universe that holds the universe together called dark matter. It's not evil. It's called dark because humans at this time cannot see it. They don't have equipment or eyes that can visually see it. They know it's there just the way that you know the wind exists because you can see it blowing things around. Like the ether. You can, yeah. You, you can see what the wind does, the effect of it, and the dark matter is the same way. We know that it holds universe together, and it's very true. Scientists have that right. Um, now, because we are the remnants, we are created from the remnants of what we were, dark matter is also part of that remnant. And so it's not whole. Dark matter is not whole. It has aberrations, oddities, errors, mistakes, glitches. And one of those glitches is, is that part of the dark matter simply is spotty. It's not complete. And because it's not complete, you get something that I call the dark matter aberration. It's an aberration of it. Unfortunately, that dark matter aberration is always trying to become whole. It's trying to become like regular dark matter, but it can't get there. And the only thing that it can think to do is to build up more energy and more energy. And where does it get that from? Life, the living. It is the cosmic vampire. Mm -hmm. And it is the source of all evil in the entire universe. It's the source of evil on this planet. It's a source of evil in the universe. It's everywhere. It's not trying to be evil. Mm. It just, this is, it's malfunction. It's a glitch. And you said that it cannot be destroyed nor healed. No, it is. It is. It is the energy, the dark matter aberration also helps to keep us all together. It helps to keep all our molecules and atoms and everything together. But because energy cannot be destroyed, you cannot destroy the dark matter aberration or you destroy us. So the dark matter aberration can be rebuffed. It can be um, made smaller. It can be contained. But in order to do that, you have to know it's there. If you don't know that evil's there, if you've reduced it down to some folklore, religion, the battle between good and evil, you missed it. Because this is a battle between good and evil, but it's really a battle with the dark matter aberration and how it works in our life force zone, planet Earth, 
and uses brainwashing techniques. You know how it does that is because our brain is the interface to the core matrix. And so all dark matter, we interface with that and we interface with the dark matter aberration. So it has a direct line in, just like the good has a direct line in, so does the dark matter aberration. So it's easy for it to manipulate other people, other humans, and do its control of what we think, what we see, how we deal with things. It's a terrible thing. So when you talk about the, basically like the nuclear wars that are like the inevitability that the core matrix does not want to happen, or that that keeps on time editing and time looping. Um, so is this the motive, or not the motivation, but is this sort of um, the agenda of the dark aberration is eventually it wants that energy that the, that the nuclear yes. explosions give? It feeds off of any, exactly. any type of energy that is um, heightened, like violence, conflict, fear, suppression, depression, uh, picture, what are the other negative? Oh, well, yeah, yeah, uh, fear, conflict, um, anger, yeah, yeah. fighting. It's the louche, isn't it? It's basically like war, the War. Yeah, destruction. Destruction, crime, um, even lying, using people. Yeah, yeah. So I suppose you know, nuclear weapons would probably be the ultimate of all of that. Well, as far as humans are concerned, yes. And this is called a time loop. What happened is thousands of years ago, ETs were here on, on the planet. They were terraforming us and bioforming us. Some people call them the ancient, the ancient aliens, but they were here and some of them still are here. And after a time, um, there are many factions and they got into a conflict and they had what I'd call a war and they destroyed the planet. They destroyed us. Now, the core matrix, because it has a prime directive to keep us whole, to keep this planet whole and to keep life on it regenerating again and again, it reconstructed us in what I call a timeline reboot. We got rebooted. I don't know how long it took. It could have been thousands of years. It could have been a million years, but it brought us back again. And what was left of these ET races was halfway destroyed. And those that survived are still living here or their descendants are still here on the planet. And uh, in fact, Picto Girl and I have been doing shows about this because the energy of the, of the destruction cannot be destroyed. It's put back into the next timeline that the core matrix creates. But it doesn't want to put back a nuclear holocaust or whatever the energy was. So it diffuses it in other things. For example, did you know that a hurricane might be the equivalent of four atomic bombs, the size that was sent to Hiroshima during mm -hmm. World War II? Mm -hmm. That's right. That. Um, all of these natural weather patterns and earth conditions that we have, tsunamis, Tornadoes, volcanoes, yeah. volcanoes hurricanes, ty typhoons, earthquakes, earthquakes. Oh, thank you. Earthquakes. <laughs> yes. This is how the core matrix diffuses and, and spreads out the energy of a devastation so that we get less of a devastation. So like when there's a huge tragic tsunami that kills thousands and hundreds of thousands of people in Indonesia or Japan, a tragedy. I know that this is the lesser of something that had happened, that this was a timeline reboot and that that timeline reboot would be from a nuclear 
a human-caused nuclear disaster. These reboots have happened a number of times in the 20th century, starting in um, World War II. Can I just to say something there, actually, uh, Starfire? Yes. I wanted to just um, ask a question here, something I'm not clear on, is when sure. we go through the reboot, and at that moment, is the core matrix actually manufacturing a brand new timeline to bring in, or is it pasting in an already existing, coexisting timeline at that point? What's it actually doing? Okay, well, think of our timeline as a movie script. Mm. And now you're going to save the movie script and you want to make changes to it. Now, you may have saved that 100 times, and you may want to copy-paste a little bit from this script or copy-paste a little bit from that script, and then you've got another part of the script that's only in your head, and you're typing that in new because it fits in and it works, but you can only use what's in the dictionary. And it's not the dictionary of the original universe. It's the limited dictionary that you're allowed to use because it's the remnant. So the core matrix will take the basic from the last dominant coexisting timeline, which would be the one in which there was the nuclear destruction. And then it would start piecing us back together while still diff diffusing that nuclear. It had, this isn't just nuclear bombs. This is planet ending nuclear destruction. You and know, how, would, how many would you estimate that there have been like edits? Like, do you even have a way of knowing that? I do have a little bit. What I'm able to see and that I pick up because of, of the physical, the, the physical evidence, I've worked out a way that I teach people. If you see this time shift marker, that time shift marker, this time shift marker, you know that we've had either a timeline edit or a timeline reboot. So uh, let's see, from World War II, to two, 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 probably about 20, maybe 25. And that means we're all time shift living dead people. That's right. We are. Wow. That's right. Every single one of us who's alive now is, has died and well, recently. Yeah. And you talk a lot about the artifacts, the, um, the artifacts that we have of this. And I really loved you, the way you guys presented in the third episode, the um, November 3rd and 4th of 2020, what the, right. what the sun did and, and right. how that actually um, looked. I thought that was uh, an amazing explanation. So Based on that artifact that you guys presented or those two artifacts that you presented, do you remember in 2018, there was like the FBI raided the Sunspot Observatory in New Mexico, and there was a period of time in mid-September of 2018 mm -hmm. where all the sun ob observatories went black, like they didn't, yeah, they, yeah. yeah, that, that sort of made happening? the rounds on, on social media yeah, and in, in the news, yeah, that was related to a timeline reboot that was related to something that was being observed and seen and they were trying to clamp it down. Yeah, I, I, even at the time I thought that is bizarre that they are right. not telling us what's going on with the sun right. all at once. Exactly correct. Also, I um, this is just on a, on a personal level, but I experienced, I went to go see the full solar eclipse in, Ch in Chile or Chile in 2000 in the summer of 2018 it was in july and right. um after like two days after that i i experienced a 30 minute deja vu where i uh, and it was to a point of uncomfortability like i was i it, the, usually deja vus are a moment 
just, you know, like, oh, this went on for 30 minutes and I knew exactly what my next move was going to be and how I was telling people that I was experiencing a deja vu. And the whole thing was super frustrating and crazy all the way up to the very end. Um, And so I was wondering how you put deja vus in in the context of, of these edits. Well, uh, number one, a deja vu is like a precognition, and that relates to your brain interface with the core matrix accessing various coexisting timelines. But what I think what Pigtail Girl and I really need to hear is what did you experience? Because that makes a difference. Uh, Okay, so I was in this town. It's called... um... Valhalaspar. It's very hard to pronounce. I don't know how to pronounce it, but it was all murals, like um, like they did street art all over this entire town. And we were trying to go get to the. We were trying to race to go see the sunset before it set. So it was the last thirty minutes before the sunset. And I was. It was like I was in a video game. Every single corner I turned, I knew exactly what mural I was going to see before I saw it. Every. Yeah, yeah. And the very, very last thing, and I told my friend, I was like, okay, look, here's how it's going to end. We're going to go get to the banister where we see see the sunset. We're going to look down these stairs and there's going to be these little kid shoes at the bottom of these stairs. And there's going to be some soldiers down there. And she was like, okay, if that's true. Okay. She was like, if that's true, this is weird. It happened. It, exactly. Like I said, we got to the terrace that I had seen in my mind. I had never been to this place in my entire life. Right. Well, congratulations. That's normal. Uh, uh, You were having a precognition. You were remembering part of having done this before in the previous coexisting timeline. Mm. So basically for you, that was a time shift timeline edit marker. Has this ever happened to you before? And have you ever had a dream or anything that then came true? Oh, that kind of stuff has happened to me. Yes. Well, before. Then, this, then this is, this is natural for you, but not in the, not to that. It was extreme. And that extent. Yes. Well, you, you had a growth spurt there. Yeah. Your brain had a growth spurt. So th- this is what told you that this, you were re- repeating part of the timeline. Now the core matrix has a, brain program where I call it assimilation, where it assimilates everything in the human brain so that the human thinks that you're living only in this one timeline. I've told you this earlier, but there are glitches in this assimilation program, which is, by the way, how I discovered the core matrix by time loops and seeing things do weird things. And I have a big precognition ability. And I know that a uh, girl has her own stories to tell. But this is natural. So when you have something like that happen, this is a marker for you to tell you that there has been a timeline edit. And for some reason, and that's, and that's the thing that's up to you to do. For some reason, you were in the same place in the previous coexisting timeline and the current dominant one. And you were doing the same things. So you have to ask yourself, why? Why, why did I decide I needed to be here at this time? Because if you were doing this in two coexisting timelines, you were probably doing this in a hundred coexisting timelines or a thousand. What were you doing? And did you achieve what it is you were meant to do? So the big thing you really need to ask yourself is, are you satisfied with the way things went? Did you find your answers? Now you're finding your answers now about what what your the deja vu was but okay you went to see these murals these murals you saw i mean them. it was a great you, day it was a beautiful i mean it day, was a great but... day you saw this 
astronomical event. Anything else? Did you experience anything else? Missing time? Mm, I have experienced missing time, but not at this particular junction. Okay. Yeah. Those are also markers. Yeah. Yeah. I've also had a duplication of um, experience, especially in 2019. I had a lot of, um, like I would have, uh, I would buy a brown mascara or a brown eyeliner that I was an obscure anomalous brown eyeliner. And then I would have nine of them in my makeup bag or Same I would thing. have yeah I would have I would have just very I would have weird items that were duplicated like physically happens to me all the time and it happens to a lot of people who are listening to this now um these duplications there's something interesting that some people and I'm one of them I can retain physical physical evidence that we've had a timeline edit and so do you these little tiny little who cares things a little mascara a little piece of makeup can actually break open the secrets of the universe <laughs> strange as that may sound but if you have nine of the same thing and you only bought one mm-hmm. you can't I my latest one was last last uh like within four months ago i bought a you know like when you're washing your hands you scrub like like a, like a mm-hmm. scrub thing the brush yeah yeah the brush thing that yeah and it was like a dollar at some right store and I, I have four of them now yeah well um <laughs> i only brought one but like i'm saying the sm- the smallest <laughs> the smallest little glitch this is what i want people to do this is why picture girl and i are doing the time chronicle among other things that we do we have our own separate topics that we love but we come together on this because the smallest little glitch in the core matrix can prove to you that it's real there are more than one timeline something's going on there's a lot of time looping what's going on so that's what we're that's what we're educating people on here picture girl have have you ever had that happen where you've had a, a duplicate of something um not so much a duplicate as a missing something oh um i, I tend to lose ways. things yeah well there was the case of the missing potato that was very odd i had specially bought a certain amount of potatoes. Um, I always know when I go shopping what I'm getting. I plan to make baked potatoes. So there was absolutely no way I didn't have enough baked potato for me and my little girl that Mm. I was about to cook it. And I remember washing the two potatoes standing at the sink. I'd put the potatoes to the side. Obviously there was two. There was no doubt in my mind there was two. I was cooking dinner, two of us. I go to put the oven on. I do something. I come back and there's one potato and there's not two. And I looked everywhere around my kitchen. I could not find the missing potato. I, uh, the only explanation to me is that it was a timeline edit somehow responsible it for it. Unless someone has knowingly some sort of ghost or poltergeist or paranormal something, that's usually, it's it's the reverse of what Nikki was talking about, where she has a too many of the same thing. You lost something. Yeah. And, and sometimes they actually come back. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I have an interdimensional yeah. turtle. I have a tortoise, like a little box tortoise, and he alive or alive, and that, okay, that thank you. <laughs> he 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 can like the, he can be gone out of his out of his cage or out of the yard. He can be gone for like three days, and we think he is. And, and I mean, I'm talking. I scour MIA. everything, completely gone, and then the next day shows up once some carrots at noon. I I, I don't. <laughs> I call him my ever, interdimensional. Tortoise. Did you look for a way that? He could get out. out. He could, yeah, no, I mean, like it is 
in fact, we had this, he, he appeared today after he'd been missing three days and we were like, well, happy trails, Sheldon, happy trails. That's, I don't know where he is. I think he's gone for good this time. And he, Sheldon, Sheldon, <laughs> the tortoise. Yes. Um, a great yeah. name, <laughs> but yeah, I, how I mean, big is Sheldon? Sheldon is about, how? a you know, like 10 inches. Like, oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, anyway, to but to be 20 inches, 30 inches, this he's, is, he's, he's 30. What? He's done. He's 33 years old. He's going to be 120 if he lives a life expectancy. I hope he does. Good. He's the smallest um, land tortoise that, you know, you can get. Yeah, they're very interesting critters. Yeah, they are. Definitely. Well, so what other experiences have you had, Nikki? Well, I also, you talk about in in your, uh, in one of the the podcasts about, um, I guess, I call, I don't know what I am. I'm a dream hopper or a dream weaver or a dream. I, I can go into other people's dreams sometimes. And I Manifestor. Can also, yes. And I, I'm very, I'm pretty much a lucid dreamer three, three nights of the week, or I can, I can initially, I can remember lots of my dreams. So I have a lot of dreaming abilities and yeah, um, that's I've typical people in of your brain core matrix interface. It, this is just a natural expression of the way your brain interface core matrix situation works. Same thing with Pigtail Girl. She yeah. has this innate connection. And, you know, people are just, they're either born that way or they can become that way when they've had, sometimes when people have ET experiences, paranormal experiences, spiritual experiences, part of their brain that is the interface to the core matrix can like an open gate and suddenly they have these powers, gifts, and abilities that they didn't have before because every human has it. It's a matter of how do you open it? Well, I, I don't know if I was born with them or not. I don't remember ever not having this ability. And I also have had many ET experiences and stuff like that. So I, I, I don't know how that it's all related, but I- Well, does, it, does, does the gift run in your family? Um, all four of my grandparents have had ET contact. Um, and then both my parents, no, my old, my, my dad, no, but my mom has. Yeah. So, um, you just answered your own question. I, yes. I think there is a link somehow because I've also seen a UFO and I was even talking about this today online with some friends and randomly people were just asking me today, Oh, have you ever seen a UFO? And I do find that, that you just get people that seem to attract this kind of weird stuff, like they dream a lot when they're young, they have some connection, psychic connection to something, they have weird experiences. And sometimes it can be one person in a family, or sometimes it can be a generational. For me, I was like, um, it, it did seem to run in my family, but not to the extent that I was experiencing it. I mean, I heard stories, but nothing as big as, you know, having a UFO appear right over your head and sort of seeing it up close, you know, that you remember. But- that you remember and I think that there is a link between people that seem to be sensitive and connected to this core matrix or the timelines or dreaming or all these abilities I think there are these commonalities that we just attract weird experiences almost to us Mm -hmm. well what one person calls weird I call I was gonna say desirable (laughs) (laughs) that's why we're attracting it because maybe we're just into that kind of thing and I'm like enjoy it Yeah, that stuff never scares me. Like when I see you, if I'm like, hello. Yeah, I'm like, wow. Me too. Um, so you, you, you talked about in one of the episodes that you have an uncle, uh, Sir uh, Rudolph Pearls or something. Oh, yeah, yeah. A, a deceased great uncle. My deceased great so uncle. 
within your family, did you guys talk about, uh, the, was there ever any regret in helping bring in the, the nuclear weapons or, or like, how did, how did that work? Yeah, well, I didn't really speak to my uncle that much. I sort of have very distant memories of dancing and telling jokes to him and him telling jokes to me when I was a very young girl, because this was like my great grandparents, my great grandpa's brother, you know, that we're, we're dealing with here. So I was, I was very young when he passed, but so I didn't ever really discuss on a deep level of, of those things. And I don't remember being told, but I, well, I do feel that he at, at the time, what he was working on, um, yeah, I think he wasn't happy the way it sort of turned out. He was not um, an aggressive man. He wasn't a man of violence. He was a man of science. And actually, he was a very dry personality. He had a very dry, droll sense of humor. He was kind of very gentle. So I, I, I would just intuitively imagine that he he didn't really want his work to cause destruction. That was my yeah. feeling. But um. Yeah, I mean that, yeah, he's famously linked to the creation of the atom bomb. But in those days, scientists, they were just so interested in new discoveries and pushing the boundaries that often they were just working away for the sake of knowledge and understanding. And the people funding them were then taking all their research and deciding what it was going to be used for. So this was the feeling I got from my uncle Rudy of what had happened. Hmm. Very interesting. Very cool. Those were okay. a different time too. Yeah. Where the, the threat was... The Picto girl has this great scientific brain, you know, and that genetically runs in her family too. So she's what I call a citizen scientist. <laughs> I am. And my whole life. I'm I've a scientist actually... scientist. She's a citizen scientist. Yeah. I've always been researching by myself, not non-officially, but I've always been uh, experimenting with consciousness and with reality. And throughout my whole life, that's been a continuous, the constant in my life has been this playful a scientist energetic with me between me and reality and consciousness it's what i've always been interested in i've always been studying psychology behavior awareness right. interaction between the unseen and the seen the emotional interactions the psychic interactions and i've always just been interested in that no matter what i've been doing for my job or, or on top of that that was the thing that i that was the line that threaded through my life and i think for all of us probably just this this a passion about consciousness and the experience i guess of existence and what that is and what that means it's kind of my passion <laughs> yeah me right. too now, that's cool what what makes our podcast work is even though we come from two completely different modalities we see the same thing mm -hmm. we see it and we talk about it and we understand it and we don't need to learn the truth from each other we understand it individually and then when we come together we find out that we came to the exact same conclusion. And that's why we've been able to put together some great groups using psychic modalities that I created to put out the Amazon rainforest fires in 2019 or Australia on fire in 2019, 2020, and other things that we did. This was actually her idea. She formed these groups and said, come on, we can do this. And I looked and I said, yes, we can. And it was very involved. It had to be taught to thousands of people across all of these groups who had no idea who I was usually or what this was about. And they learned, they did it, we achieved, it can be done. This is what happens. Uh, th this is when the internet does good. Right, right. This is yeah. when social media platforms do good. This is what it's supposed to be about. 
you, and so it's you, not even that difficult for people to come together and do these missions. The missions we do, it's not even, you, you don't have to have a high level of psychic ability or meditation ability. That's not even significant. All you have to be able to do is concentrate. Or oh, read. And, and, and look at my lessons. Yeah, and follow some, and if it, a protocol that really, as long as you're there, you've got eyes that work and, and you're there and you can follow the instruction, anyone could do it. Right. So you guys do this on a regular basis, like, or is this like the goal of the podcast? Is well, to... we've been we we've, we've been doing these groups since 2019. I've been doing it a lot longer than that in a research group that I had, and then I started doing it publicly starting in 2015. She was following this and realized what I could do because I was proving this doing other shows like uh, Coast to Coast and with Whitley Strieber, and I would do these like live. So. I knew that the science was very pure and very good, and I had developed it. I call it reality shift manifestation. And basically, there is a protocol based on the, my knowledge of how the core matrix works, how coexisting timelines work, about how the brain core matrix interface works. And I'm able to do things, and there are rules to it. You can't just do anything you want. But I am able to create conditions where we can alter localized reality not create new timelines. No, no, no. Only the core matrix can do that. But localized realities can be altered because that happens to be a natural human skill. People do it all the time. They call it many different things, or sometimes they don't even know it. Like they say, oh, I need a parking space, parking fairy, please help me. <laughs> well, <laughs> that's me. I do that parking fairy. <laughs> gotcha. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> so they're just but, manifestors right. I'm just giving people the rules of the road and the mission focus that Pigtail Girl and I have pre-discussed that we were going to do because it's based on reality it's based on truth so when we were going to stop the fires in the Amazon rainforest I first did my own jaunt junket into reality shift manifestation. I saw that it was possible to create rain in the middle of the dry season in the Amazon because I'd created rain on other fires throughout the world through the years. So I knew that this was something I could do, but could I do it on an entire rainforest that went through many, many countries? It was huge. I saw what it was. I studied the science of the rainforest and I saw that, that we could stimulate rain where no rain was forecast, rain could not happen because the rainforest itself is able to generate its own weather conditions. If you can stimulate that by creating rain, by copy pasting it in from another coexisting timeline and, and plopping it down into the current dominant timeline, you can create rain. It's natural. It comes from that, that same space. That's the whole trick. We kept it raining for a couple of months or three months. I can't remember exactly at this moment. And we, we brought it right into the time that the Amazon rainforest would naturally create its own rain. So basically we had it raining in the Amazon rainforest for months and months and months. Our great, the enemy that we had was the human beings on the ground that kept starting fires. Yeah. This was not a natural fire. This was human created yeah. all over the place. That's, that's, I, so I, I knew I that's was how a, we did it. a rain. Um, like I used to tell people when I was little, I was like, I can control the rain. I can control the rain. And my mom and dad were like, okay, she just beats to a different <laughs> drum. Like you just have to, it's okay. She just beats it. And I would, I could trace out lightning. I was really into it. And then even 
I, I'm, I'm, I, I was my, my, I'm, I'm the rain bringer. That's like, I always, I always, I always tell everybody that since I was little and uh, with the Australian fires, even on my podcast, like we did meditations and I don't know how you, how you do it, but with my own self, when I, I'm, I'm raised in New Mexico in Albuquerque. And mm-hmm. um, so I used to get sick of the dryness. And so I would bring in rain. And so for me, I, I basically connect with the rain as if it were a consciousness, as if it were another being. And I, and I will be like, I, when I was a kid, I would play with it. I'd be like, I bet you can't rain harder. I bet you can't come and bring rain. I bet, you know, I would, I would, I would almost like play with it. Like it was another kid. And then Mm -hmm. as I became an adult, it was actually way more effective when I was a kid than I am now. But anyway, when I was an adult, or even I tried with the Australia fires and the Amazon fires as well, I would, I would imagine myself there and imagine what it felt like to be wet. Like I would pre pre experience for it, what it was like to be in the optimals condition. So I don't know how you do that within Mm -hmm. your, your. Well, what you were doing is basically unknowingly you were doing the reality shift manifestation process. Um, what I discovered, like I said, it's a natural human gift that most people don't know that they have. What I discovered was the science, the protocol. I can repeat sciences when you can repeat the yeah. same thing and get the same result. Result, correct. That's what I do. Now, I know that a lot of groups around the world had prayers going and meditations going. Some of them might have been helpful, some might not. Pigtail Girl and I knew that we were in control of this because we could create rain in a specific spot at a specific time on a specific day, always. So we knew that was us because we were using my protocol. And when I teach this protocol, imagine how wonderful the planet could be if millions were gathered. Nikki, Pigtail Girl and I talk about this all the time. If millions were gathered, they were taught these protocols. We just created a more natural, collectively, seriously good place to live. That would be awesome. Well, without getting into the conditions of the day, um, it is possible. And so you, uh, you do say, though, that you said timeline or time loops won't happen forever. So, and, and, and as an example, there's the asteroid belt, like, Right. Um, Well, I say that this current time loop concerning not just the the nuclear, but it's it's thousands of years old when the ETs were destroyed this planet originally. This is where the time loop started. Picto Girl and I started to do tap tap into. In fact, our next show will be a much larger show about the ET uncloaking. The two times that I've caught them and have the physical images of them sending a million mile beam of energy hitting the sun and causing a chain reaction of coronal mass ejections when there were no solar sunspots, no known magnetic uh, disturbances in the area. And this is really important because solar energy, when it touches the planet, this is what triggers a time shift, which is basically something called frame dragging that Einstein wondered about many, many years ago. And this causes a a space-time warp in the space-time continuum. This is what gives the core matrix the opening to create a timeline edit. So I've just realized recently, in fact, I just posted this 
on my Facebook page and also I think on my MeWe page that I, I wondered what the ETs were doing. Prior to this, I had said, hey, guys, I put it out there in writing. I put it out there through our podcast. Come on, guys, uncloak, because these ETs are the descendants of the original time loop. They know it, and they also know, because they live here, the technology that they have and the ships that they still have, they can zip around the planet and the solar system, but they can't, they can't break through the magnetic force field that surrounds our solar system. So they're trapped here. They tried to go out and reclaim some of the technology that was smithereened during the original Holocaust that's floating around the solar system. But what humans do to this planet affects them too. They don't want to lose their home. They don't want to have to go to Mars or go to the moon and occupy space there like some others do currently. So that's they live not, here. They live here. Now, some of them who look human, um, some of them walk amongst us. Others don't look human at all, and they live either underground or in mountains, underwater, in other altered spaces, other dimensional altered spaces. But they don't care who rules the planet. They, they don't care. They don't care who rules it. They don't care how it's run as long as you don't destroy it. But in today's climate, we are now in a very dangerous zone. There was a change of power, as we know, and that change of power is very dangerous. It has unleashed a march to, up to another time-looping nuclear holocaust situation. It has lit the match. I suggested the ETs uncloaked. Since the, the 1940s, when people all around the world countries have, have these nuclear silos, nuclear bombs, nuclear storage facilities, these ETs have shown themselves they have shown, and this is documented. This isn't just, oh, I'm just talking. This is documented. It's even in the congressional records mm -hmm. um, that ETs have come to these nuclear places in various countries, and they've been able to turn on and turn off nuclear That's weapons. Awesome. Yeah. You probably heard of this. Yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So they've already shown that they can do this, which is extraordinary because they have to like dumb down to get into our unsophisticated, as far as they're concerned, computer technology. I won't say how they do that, but they do that. And humans have not altered their behavior. They have not gotten the message. There are just people that rule this world that think they're better. They know they're there. But I, I do feel like humans as a species is manipulated very heavily completely um, so it's it's kind of hard to i always have a hard time being like oh like, yeah we're such sheep when it's well wh what do you do when you're born into the system that's you don't you like a lot of people don't ever have the opportunity to start stepping back and look at it i i'm fortunate because i have had i've been a lucid dreamer since i was born and i've had et visitations that come into my room as a four-year-old like, what did they look like? Oh, which time and which ones I've had. I'm trying to figure out which, I'm trying to figure out which, which faction visited you. I've I want had, to find out which I've faction visited you. I've had I've had lion beings and I've had um, balls of light that are like basketballs that turn into like watermelons, but they're just sheer blue light. Like the light itself is a being or maybe yeah, it's it a is. ship or yeah. yeah. Um, so I've had like, like light being visitations and that's yeah. probably the thing that visits me the most. Um, okay. 
so I, and I've had watchers, which are just like dark, like figureless watchers. Um, no, uh, uh, go back. You said the word dark. Are you talking about shadow people? Like shadow people. Yeah. Okay, that's not a good thing. It's not a good thing. No, no. A, a shadow person is actually, um, you know, they're taking the place of markers where humans used to live. You know, this is a constructed timeline, right? So a shadow being is really something that has possessed a space where a living being creature, even an animal could have been, and they're using it to invade into this world and to mess with humans. And they're very vamp vampiric. Mm -hmm. So when you see them, this is not good. Yeah. Where are they coming from? Are they coming from the astral realm? Yes, the astral realm or another dimension-ish in the astral realm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I've also seen fairies on multiple occasions and I've yep. had unicorn experience, like a physical unicorn in real life, no drugs yep. and used, touched. No, no, that's all right. <laughs> no, so, no. I mean, like, I'm no, just no. saying, for me, I feel quite privileged in that like I I know something else is going on but I have siblings who are beyond asleep the only source for them is the New York Times or CNN and there's just no two two ends up butts or anything about that so well, hey um, hey pigtail girl I think we're gonna have to pull this Nikki person into <laughs> our world here <laughs> I yes, think definitely. we could I think we could do something pretty cool here now with the with the grays could you tell me were, were, were these the kind that had the sort of roundish uh, infant looking faces or were they the more oblong sort of their, austere? You know, their eyes were big, but they weren't like what you see on drawings. Like they had a little bit close and they were wearing, um, they, they were wearing clothing and like, I, I almost. They do wear clothing. And some of them, or at least a couple of them had um, a, a, a cape. I know that sounds weird, but they, I, I do remember them having like a, a cape. cape, a cape. Yes. How fashionable. Like very bizarre. Um, and they were only <laughs> about, I was that, I, that was, I was probably like four or five and they were about the size of me at the time. They were very tiny. And I, I, I got the feel like, like they were able to paralyze me and, um, uh, I did not like them. Them, they were not, uh, they were not good, but then the lion the like 10 foot lion being that came to me when I was 10. Um, it had wings. That was weird. But um, that thing was good. Whatever. No, no. You're talking about something that goes back to the ancient aliens. Yeah, they called me. Um, they told me I am a of the builder race. And so like, I get messages from the blue lights a lot. I'm Such as the, like the Anunnaki type. I don't know what they mean by that. Like they, but I do. They're just saying, they, build it better. You're of the builder race. Build oh, it no, better. I understand. Let me explain to you. You already gave the whole thing away. Your ancestry, genetics, you say you have ancestors, parents, relatives who've seen the ETs. Mm -hmm. you're, you're part of a genetic program. Yeah. You, you've been part of this uh, genetic program. Every, practically every single human being who lives on the planet today has ET genetics in them because we were bioformed by them from what was on the planet at the time when they came very primitive they are triggering off people and when they say build this this tells you that whoever that particular et is which is the same et race that i'm talking i'm saying please uncloak these are the ones that actually believe that human beings if educated if the 
if the manipulation of the brain, if the illusion, if the brainwashing is removed, if if those who do that to, to, to people, and mostly it's humans, are diminished through truth, if the truth is allowed to be globally known and discussed and debated and mm-hmm. understood, this brainwashing, I'll use that word, mind control, has less of a chance to infect as many people as it has, which is why we're in the state that we're in. Well, and so, I think like you would see humanity itself like be what it is supposed to be. Like, I, I don't feel like we're a full experimentation of what humanity is because we are a, a very tightly controlled. Well, we don't know the truth of who we are. So how can we be our best version of self if we have not who we even are, what our potential is? We don't even know what our potential is yet fully. Right. Like um, a picture girl just got her certificate in body language. Body now, talk. Body talk. <laughs> body talk. Well, body language, body talk. But it and is a language. From, from some fantastic professionals. And we're going to be incorporating this into our show too when she's ready. Because this is it. Humans. Why do we have to learn body talk? Because we are actually a telepathic people. We are telepaths. And yet this part of us, that part of the brain has been genetically turned, the switch has been turned off. We've been toggled off. But some of us are slightly toggled on. Mm -hmm. And it's coming back online. I think the telepathy is coming back on. Well, the three of us talking right now, at this moment in time, we are actually manifesting something quite interesting. This is a connection Nikki, that you created, you're the one who found us, okay? You're the one who saw in what we were doing, you recognized a part of yourself. You recognized a part of your experience and you were looking for answers, hoping to find it. And I think you found it. I think you found a lot. Yeah. And I know that Picto Girl and I are listening to you. We're both recognizing, again, the same thing, that um, you know we have a, a kindred spirit here. Well, I was I was even going to say that I've even had experiences in dreams of the cat aliens that oh yeah about. Uh, I've I've talked about that but they didn't have real. wings yeah they didn't have wings in my dream yeah, not, all of them, not all of them not all of them do they're the ones do. that come for me when I have the alien dreams it's the cat ones I've seen the the cat people many many times they are literally part of the ET ancient aliens. They are a faction. They are a small faction. They are here. I, I went to Egypt in um, October of 2019, so about a year and a half ago, and it was my first time ever being. And um, I I had some, like, there was a ton of, you know, the lion beings like Sakmet and all that on, yeah. on the walls. And um, I had a lot of dream experience with the lion beings while in mm-hmm. Egypt. Like there, there's, there's Best a huge segment. something going on with, with the, with them within, within ancient Egypt. That's correct. Absolutely. I agree with you. I've done a big study on that as a matter of fact, because I've seen the same beings too. And I have their statues all over my house. So they're very important, but you also have to remember that what you're getting in ancient Egypt Ancient Egypt itself are not the original pyramid sphinx builders. Mm-hmm. They are not. And the sphinx itself has the wrong head on it. Yeah, it was a lion head. It was a lion head. Right. Exactly. So the whole lion presence in Egypt are the, the builders. And in fact, around the sphinx was a lake. This was water. It, it was an oasis. 
it was so different than what it is now. The Egyptian people today can't even speak the ancient Egyptian language. No one, no scientist, no commoner has ever heard Very true. speak the ancient Egyptian language. It's gone. It's because the people that are there now, everybody fighting for this territory, they're not even the originals. If you went back, you'd have to find lion people. <laughs> I don't know, but um, it's quite something. So. Yeah. yeah, it's quite interesting as well, because I, I don't know, Staffa, have you been to Egypt to see the pyramids? Because I know that I've spent some amazing time there also. And the way I ended up going there was kind of so random because I met a man <clears throat> who was a very rich billionaire. He was an Arab guy and he'd seen me performing and he wanted to invite me to the opera in Luxor. And I'd never <laughs> been to Egypt. And this billionaire just took me on a private jet, all expenses paid, took me to see Carmen in the Valley of the Kings, Gave oh. me an all expenses paid trip to be his guest at the opera. Um, and I got to stay right at the pyramids. And it was as if like I was just plucked out of nowhere by some guy so randomly and invited to this splendor and this luxury tour of Egypt. And I had so much crazy awakenings and experiences. And then I, I just sort of came home. And uh, I never really saw much of that guy after that. It was just this total random event that appeared in, in my life. Wow. And how it seemed to be some energy wanted me to go to Egypt. And I experienced so much because he was a billionaire. I mean, he had all doors were open. We were uh, horse riding through the deserts on camels, private viewings of the pyramid, staying in a really fancy hotel and going to places that I probably wouldn't have gone to at that point in my life. So it was just weird how this thing just took me out of my life and plonked me to this wonderful uh, experience in Egypt and then brought me home. So I'm just wondering, Starfire, have you also been to Egypt? I have. Physically, yeah. I have, yes. It's a powerful place. It really yes. Is. I try to ignore the humans that are there. <laughs> and I try to just touch base with what was the origins because... That's what I wanted to know. I didn't want to know what was happening today. I wanted to know what happened in the long ago and why it's no longer here. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, know. there was yeah. petrified wood all over and there's stuff where I, there had to be a nuclear blast or something in some of the places. Like there, something happened there. The glass, that, the yeah. glass in the desert tells you the that glass, there's the a, a, a nuclear the holocaust there. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I own chunks of that glass. I've got it in my house, um, Moldavite. I don't know. That's not from Egypt, the Moldavite, but it's a similar thing. It's uh, yeah. Well, it, it's the same disaster that mm. hit that hit the globe, and that's that's there. You can see this like there is this coral called calcite coral that's in the Bahamas, in the east coast of Florida, down down by Florida, where an asteroid hit and it calcified, crystallized all of this coral in the area. I have huge chunks of that. And yet scientists have not quite yet figured out that that's where it comes from. It's, it's amazing. I just all, picked it up right off they the they figured page. it out and they're not letting us know because they right. don't want to change the narrative of the fake history that we're given. Well, <laughs> that's also true because the scientists can only get a grant if they follow their marching orders. Mm -hmm. and you don't yeah. talk about ETs. You have to be you in your allowable opinion box. Otherwise. Yep. In the box. Yeah, that's why I do like the um, I do like the genre of forbidden archaeology. Oh yeah, I'm a fan of books that are the forbidden archaeology. It's the archaeologists and geologists who want to tell you what they're not supposed to be telling you. you that's can, right. Yeah you, yeah, you can find some good research books on that. Right. Well, I have a uh, two very good friends, uh, doctors, uh, 
JJ and Tesere Hertek. I know that when I met them many years ago, Hertek had already discovered this underground cave or whatever it was, chamber in the Great Pyramid. He put that in a book that he wrote. Scientists, scientists only discovered it maybe five or six years ago, but he did. He discovered it. Nobody could talk about it because he wasn't part of their scientific community, but it's in his books. That's also why I'm an independent scientist. Mm -hmm. I've been made lots of offers over the years to, you know, but they want to own my research. They want to control my research. And most specifically, and I've heard, and I've, I know this from other scientists who've been great discoverers. You don't know about them because they allowed other companies to purchase them and then they shelve these discoveries away so that the public never knows it. And then suddenly it's in the military arena. It's being used for something unintended by the original discoverer. So sadly, you know, I would be a very wealthy person if I took up the offer, but (laughs) I guess that's why I'm a pauper. It's a bit like that as well with with a holistic healing that like the modalities I study yeah. body talk. I mean, this was invented years ago by John Veltheim, the man who brought forth the protocol of body talk as a healing modality. And it's so amazingly uninvasive and it's so simple and it's so beneficial. I mean, the healing results I see manifest from just using body talk. It's amazing. It's it. You don't need medicine. You don't need anything. But there's no scientific research going into this because you don't need any medicine. There's no chemical to sell you. There's nothing to patent. It's just humans using their abilities, their natural abilities to heal themselves that no one can really make any money off. And because of this, there's just no research into it. And to find out about body talk took me a long time to even find out it existed because you don't hear about it. You're not going to see any big articles about it or people researching it. There's no funding for that and there's no money in it. So unfortunately, people um, in the mainstream might assume, oh, because there's no research, that means it's not real or it doesn't work or it's not true. But that's not the case. It's just that there's been no money thrown at it. And that's that. Mm-hmm. That's the way well, it is. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like, um, you know, I, I, I go through this thing now where I'm just thinking, you know, you can't expect the government to fix the government. You can't expect the like like the system to fix the system from within. Like I, we're going to have to literally build a system beside it, and they're going. People are going to have to be like, uh, uh, wait, let me let me try this over here because this looks like this might be actually working, and and that's how the world's going to have to change. And and I I think a lot of us are kind of starting to understand that but we haven't really run towards making it all i mean but it, it's happening there's going to be a bill and what i mean that i mean that monetarily governmentally uh corporation like everything everything that we've built so far is parasitic and we need and there's other ways to be and we have to just build it and live within that and it'll grow because it it is uh what i think we will naturally develop into well, until well, the brainwashing is shattered, well, that's yeah. not going to happen. <laughs> that's that is true. That is I'm true. sorry, pigtail girl. I, oh, no, I no. Um, well, I, I was just going to say that that's why this system we're in right now. I mean, a true free market, a, the true nature of capitalism, and true free market is where only that that the people really want to use will survive, and that yeah. the people dictate by what they choose to use as what will survive and what will die off in the free market. But that's why now the system, the parasitical system, is working so hard to to actually not allow us 
that freedom within our system. It's becoming a monoculture. They're trying to yep. homogenize and make it almost like uh, you're a dangerous threat if you try to do something outside of this system. So that's why people like me now, holistic doctors, it used to be not really thought of as a threat, but now it's almost becoming like we're crazy extremists because we don't want to use medicine. And this is why this parasitic, how this parasitical system tries to survive, which is actually trying to diminish our ability to create those choices, to allow the free market to naturally self-organize. Because in a holistic system, everything self-organizes naturally. You don't have to force it. We will naturally gravitate to those things which most benefit us. It's human nature, it's animal nature to want to survive, to want to use systems that do the least damage, that give us the most benefit. So uh, the only thing really blocking us is that parasitical energy that's trying with all its might to prevent us doing those things. But I think humans are trying to do those things. And there is actually a lot of positive, um, there are a lot of positive solutions that are being brought up from the grassroots level. And I do think that we will see that increasing. And as you said, Nikki, I do think that will in the future, if we can stop this squashing down this tyrannical squashing that we're seeing at the moment of the censorship and the, the trying to squash all the diversity, if we can, if we can get through this period, I do see that there could be some wonderful growth in the future, because I myself have seen people coming up with the solutions for energy, for clean transport, you know, for the way we can create food better, uh, medicine without need for medicine, you know, holistic healing, you don't need all these chemicals and all these factories and all these toxins and all these side effects. That can be a thing of the past, you know, the, the solutions are there. And I think we are building them. But at the moment, what we're seeing is because we've been building them, we're seeing the parasite or this energetic pu trying to push back, push us back in our box. Yeah. And that's, that's where we're finding ourselves at this crux point, <laughs> why it's all so intense, like a, like a pressure cooker. Well, I feel like they may be just too parasitic and too repressive that eventually they're going to, you know, have, uh, bit off more than they can even chew and get a push a pushback more than they than they are, are prepared yeah. for. That's I my... think the pushback starting. I think, I think yeah, I think we, we we're seeing we're seeing the pushback because the doctors are pushing back, scientists are pushing back, lawyers are pushing back. When you start to get pushback across the board from all levels of society that's when you're getting pushed back. If it's just a, a small minority trying to push back, you right. know, it's hard pushing right. a few of you. But when it starts to become a large amount of people pushing back, then it's interesting. It's cool times to live in. Yeah, <laughs> it's cool times to live in. Yeah, it is. Scary times to live in. Scary, but uh, yeah. interesting to see how, how humans are going to adapt and, and rise to the occasion do you starfire do you think that there will be disclosure do you actually think that these et beings are going to disclose themselves like within the foreseeable future they have disclosed themselves um wow. january the 8th when uh the scientific community took movies of them sending a beam down to the sun and that causing the coronal mass ejections that's an uncloaking and they did it again in the first week of February. And they may have done it other times too, but these are the two that I was able to catch on film and I took screenshots of it and I produced those publicly. So, um, and those are coming from the Soho Sun Cam, these images, aren't they? From, yeah, these particular type because their cameras have a certain filter which allows for the viewing of this particular type of, of energy. 
uh, other of the cameras from Lasco and the SDO have different filters on the lenses. And so I see other things, but um, Soho is great. So yeah, so they are uncloaking. Now disclosure is a whole other thing because humans have this idea of disclosure being that the ETs are going to uh, position themselves over various places, countries, cities, capitals, and they're going to show themselves and they're going to take meetings with um, scientists and with country leaders. No, that type of disclosure, disclosure is not going to happen, in my opinion, anyway, because been there, done that, doesn't work. Uh, the ETs um, did have a presence after World War II. They did meet with President Eisenhower, and that did not go well. Right. The year before Eisenhower became the president, he became president, I think, in 1953. In 1952, the ETs did a flyover of the U.S. Capitol. That was sending a very significant message to the people in all the governments of the world in which they were communicating and were not being listened to. The ETs at that time were saying, you know, we're not going to use our powers to be a conflicting warlike people. We're not going to wage war against these primitives. We're just not going to do it. So they're trying to think of a way to help keep the planet solvent and proper without siding with any country, with any leader, and definitely no religion, no scientist. They're just they just want to have peace, but that's not what's happening right now. So the question is, what are they doing? Well, we know now because of what I was able to capture that they have shown their great power. A million mile energy beam hitting, hitting the sun, creating coronal mass ejections. Humans cannot do that. The sun is 93 million miles away from the earth. Humans can't even, it, it, you know, right. to get there is like 100 years. So this is really significant. Now, they're not going to take this the same energy and apply it to the earth. That would just be starting the whole time looping thing. They know better than that. Now, ETs don't think like humans. And humans do not think like E.T., although they try to make these little science fiction, make-believe stories of what E.T.s are doing. Like I said, they did meet, a certain faction did meet with Eisenhower. But then after that, I hear fantasy story after fantasy story after fantasy story from people even trying to tell Laura Eisenhower, who's, who's uh, President Eisenhower's great-great-granddaughter, you know, stories about this meeting, which I know are not true. I'm, I'm hoping one day she will learn to discern who to listen to and who not to listen to, because she's a very forthright, honest, well-meaning person, you know, that I think is very wonderful, but I really want her to have the right stuff, and she doesn't have it yet. So disclosure. It's all going to depend on who's ruling the U.S. The current person in charge was all for this disclosure. So why the Space Force was created. The person currently inhabiting that position is not going to want this. Think about it. Mm -hmm. Truth? A power greater than them? No, they're going to try to hide this as much as possible. My opinion. But I think now, 
I was just wondering, um, this is just a total random question as you've been talking. Um, I'm just wondering what's going on in Antarctica and if these aliens, where they're staying, because there seems to have been a lot of activity around Antarctica since the end of the like World Wars. Um, do they have, do you think they're out these aliens or is that something else? Well, um, at the at the poles, are where the heaviest concentration of magnetic energy is on the planet. When when there's a coronal mass ejection or a solar wind that hits the planet, it's the poles that hit it. Now, the energy of their spacecraft work on magnetic energy. So they're regenerating. They're using it. They're they're working it. But they live all over the place. They, yes, they live in Antarctica. Yes, they live in the Amazon. Yes, they live under the water in, in the Bahamas. Yes, they live here. They live there. They live everywhere, Mount Shasta, in Mount Shasta. Yeah. Anywhere they can. I, I did go looking for aliens in Mount Shasta once. Yeah, I did that. I want to do that this year. <laughs> I totally did, did that you, with my husband. Did yeah. you find any? <laughs> no, no. We you know, did a I've never we been there. We heard stories of it. We heard stories of it. Apparently, you have to go up the mountain and sit very quietly and have no attachment to meeting them. <laughs> but, you know, I was doing the opposite of that. I was going up there going, I want to meet them. I want to meet them. Where are they? <laughs> yeah, I, I, that's probably going to be my experience too, because I'm, I want to go to Mount Shasta this year because my whole thing is like, I, I want to see, I want to see Bigfoot and Lumerians. Like they talk about Lumerians live inside of the, the mountain or whatever. And I have, I've had. How do they describe Lumerians? They basically look like uh, Nordics or like giant, like giant, tall, blonde um, yeah. beings. I'm always yeah, wary of the, those human names human because they're always attached yeah. to a human fantasy of what an of what an ET is. Even even the word Nordic, I understand what they're trying to describe, but it's almost a weird Scandinavian yeah, way of describing it, them. You know, you get different, you get different, like everybody describes them differently. Like I had I this uh, shamanic guy who said that they looked Asian, they like kind of like look Asian, mm -hmm. but that they were giants and then that they were blue skinned. And I was like, <laughs> Oh, okay. Well, so, I mean, so I, I don't know. Then I've had another person. you got to go meet them. It's the only way. Like 15 way, foot blonde people. I'm like, okay, well, I, I don't know. I just, well, I, there know. was a time on the planet where giants walked the earth and yeah, they were sure. eating, and uh, there may well still be some of them. I, I don't know what their hair color is or their skin color. I've never seen them in person. No this time around for me but, but you know there were stories in new zealand from the aboriginal people of new zealand the very old people you know they have some very dark skinned people there but with very blonde hair red hair light eyes and they had stories of red-headed giants oh the red-headed giants have i have a document about the red-headed giants they're all over the place that's the red-headed giants the yeah. to Dedanen. Oh, I just recently read about Tuatha de Dan and they, they went and lived underground and they were like fairy right. people. The, yeah, um, well, they these lived are, with This is a race people, of E.T. The, the giants, the, I thought. The Tuatha de Danon were a giant people. They're E.T.s. They integrated with the humans. And so anytime as someone says an authentic Tuatha de Danon, you're talking about a race of E.T. Wow. And yet they were the redheaded, what you're saying, uh, mm -hmm. picked a girl about that. Yeah, well, apparently they were gentle and they had some story that these redheaded giants were with some kind of elven people with blonde hair. And they in, in a there came a time when they disappeared to live underground or in yeah, the ground. The and, yeah. and that be, but before that, they were the ones that taught the locals 
the human locals how yeah. to fish and make boats. Yeah, the, it was them that did that. That's the Chuatha Dedanen had a series of layers of people. There were the warriors who protected. There were the nurturers who taught the various skills of farming, uh, creating, building all the things you needed to survive. And the third one was organization of council, which was how to organize all the various factions and keep them safe. And eventually they had to go underground, particularly because of the size of the Tuatha de Danon, and there was a purging of them. Mm. Their own, the, the people, the very people that they were helping began to turn on them because the mind control and the brainwashing of the dark matter aberration was very strong. It's always been strong on this planet. And um, just to save themselves, they went underground. And some of the smaller people, smaller, not, not smaller in who they were, but smaller in size, um, went with them and the rest were left on the surface. I wonder if they, if that, you know, have you heard of Brazil? It's not, not the country Brazil, but it's the island Brazil off of- High Brazil? A high Brazil, high, yeah, high Brazil. I, I wonder if that, that's their inhabit, yeah. where they currently inhabit. Well, the Tuatha, no. Hmm? Not the Tuatha. Okay. I, I don't know what's there. I, I, well, it's, it's, like an, it's an island from, 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 uh, that you can only see like a couple of times a year from that. You know, it's like a mystical island that, that, right. that well, of Ireland, I perhaps we're talking about the same thing where they live is this, what used to be the land is between France and England is actually where okay, this place is. Land. Yeah. And the St. Michael's Mount and the tours there are pathways in and out of these underground places. But there is a land between England and France. This is where they are. This is the underground place. And I, I, I can say it with great confidence because it cannot be invaded by humans because they use an altered frequency. They live in a slightly altered realm, altered dimension. So you could like walk right through them. You could walk right through a city and not even know that, that you'd done that which means that no material that a human can create can touch them. And it's been that way for a long time. So mm, great legends about this. Yeah, yeah well, you know, I just, you know, where I live at the moment is Barcelona, which is Catalonia in Spain. And we're not far from France and England, obviously, here. Mm -hmm. And they have a, a very strange celebration here. Now, I'm not really aware of its origins, but they dress these giants, giants uh, that walk through the street, dressed like women and men, very fancy. And they have different characters, but they just have this um, culture of this procession, procession of giants. And uh, I really it's don't know why. The puppets. Yeah, are like they they're puppets? massive. They 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 yeah. they make them with people and stuff, and people are inside them, and they walk down the roads, and they look very realistic. And they and they just have these possessions of giants. It's well, one of think their customs. Think about all of the giants, all over all of the world. The Parthenon. There's a giant woman in New York Harbor, the Statue of Liberty. You've got a cousin of that statue on top of the U.S. Capitol. She's called the Freedom Statue. Mm -hmm. She's really an American Indian that's connected to extra extraterrestrials. There's something called the Nephilim. The Nephilim. The yeah. Nephilim. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I've heard of the Nephilim. And um, I probably, I would say that the giant uh, puppeteering that you're talking about is connected to this remembrance of the giants. I think so. That's how yeah. I feel when I see it, that there's something in the, our memory of this connection with giants. 
Which, of course, brings us to Bigfoot. <laughs> of course it does. Yep. Didn't you say, in, in Nikki, you wanted to see Bigfoot? Yeah, I, I do want to see Bigfoot. And, I, and I, I've, I've, I've talked to a lot of people who've had experience with them. Yeah, they don't. They, I, I feel like they're E.T. in some way. but Well, what they are is they can move in and out of different dimensions. They can just be walking towards you and they're cloaked. They're vanished. They have a paranormal quality to them. They're different species of them. And some of them are very, very aggressively nasty. And others just avoid humans at all costs. So you have to be very aware and very careful about wanting to see a Bigfoot because it's very dangerous. And you may find yourself in an altered reality, their reality, that you may not be able to get out of. Right. That that I that I am kind of um, cautious about, especially with the fairy, fairy realm, because I, I also heard that you... You, I mean, you know, there's there's legends of people who go to the fairy realm, like have a mill with them and come back and it's like 200 years well, later. That's that's basically <laughs> the way that humans are talking about going into these underground altered frequency realms where the ETs or fairies, if you want to call these are the elementals are real. Yeah, they were real and yeah. they are real. And they exist at the same time, just like coexisting timelines, they exist in dimensions and realms that exist right here with us. And yes, it's very possible to trip into one of their realms. It's called a time slip sometimes where people find themselves suddenly in another time frame visiting Versailles from the 1800s or the 1600s, or the 1500s, and, and then they walk back out and then they can't find it again. It's gone. This happens to people all the time. They're slipping in and out. So it yep. can happen. It can. And I, but I, I really wonder, like, you know, for instance, like what, what do, what do these other dimensions think of, um, what do they think of maybe core matrix or what do they think of consciousness? Like what, I, I wonder how they explain our realities and dimensions themselves. I, I, I that's my main. Well, because of who they are and where they live, they understand dimensions and frequencies. So that's the first thing. I wasn't sure whether or not even the ETs were aware of the core matrix, but once I saw them with that beam, I mean, for all the years that I've been researching and studying the core matrix after discovering it so long ago, it was on January 8th of 2021 that I had my evidence physical evidence that they understood and knew about the core matrix and they knew how it functioned. I'm assuming they knew this themselves. I, it, it would be too egotistical to think that they learned it from me. They've been listening to the Time yeah. Chronicles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. I think that's going a bit too far, but it's a fun thought. So um, the let's call them the fairy folk, the ET, the elementals, because they understand that they're living in altered dimension. They don't want to live in ours. They understand it's dangerous and they understand why it's dangerous. But that doesn't say the same for astral entities, lower astral entities who don't know anything about this. Mm -hmm. And they're messing in and out of our, what, whatever coexisting timeline we're in, and they're causing problems. Whether they know, whether these elementals know about the core matrix, I don't know. But now I know that at least this one faction of ET does know, at least as of January the 8th, 2021 probably before that but 
I don't have the physical evidence of that. So, well, you guys, I want to I'd be love to take a time find we, out from them themselves. Yeah, that would be. I would love to find out too. I had such a great time talking to you guys. I could I could ask questions forever. I thank you so much for coming on. This has been a blast. It's been great. It's great meeting you. Yeah, yeah thanks you for inviting us, uh, Nikki Ann. That's fantastic to come on and chat about things that we all love and enjoy. <laughs> yes, very very cool.